everyone. Welcome back to part three, death. In our podcast, Figure for Life. So we have previously talked about the time before someone dies. Either you know that someone's sick and dying or a sudden death. Uh, we were talking about funerals and what actually happens when someone dies um, with the remains. And today we talk about maybe something that many people can relate to. So it's mm. about the grieving process after someone died. Exactly. Um, obviously, we can have a whole episode about what we think happens mm. uh, to the person who has died, who has passed away. Um, but today's topic is more about the people who remain mm. um, and their suffering. So I mm. think, I imagine that most of you guys know someone who has died and has suffered yourself or know someone who has um, grieved, mm. met someone who has um, <clears throat> experienced grieving before and so on so today we want to talk about different stages of grieving did you know mm. ed there are stages of grieving <laughs> well you know there seems to be stages about everything you know uh yes but, but i knew there were stages to to grieving mm-hmm. uh, usually um when we meet people around the death and the funeral um you get to experience like the first two stages uh which is usually denial and then anger oh yeah uh, feeling of uh, no this can't be true mm. and the feeling of this is unfair yeah. well, give you an example so when my dad just i knew my dad had cancer mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know how sick he was but he died and he had been dead for several days before they found the body so when i got when i when my family finally called me because mm-hmm. you know that's how my family is they don't always call right away they called and told me they was dead i called his number you called his number. I called my dad's number to make sure he was really dead. And they didn't And he didn't you? answer. I, I called like five times. Oh, wow. And when I got back to the States, I called, like when I landed in the States, I called just to make sure that he didn't answer the phone. So it took me, like, my brain said he was dead. But my brain also said, but what if they're not telling the truth? What if they're just saying that to get you to come there? Um, oh, how do you wow. know he's not faking it? I mean, like I played lots of all kinds of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when and, and that happens, I think the denial thing is like it's really weird because we know that people die, um, but we always somehow have to convince ourselves, like we have to do things to make sure that it's not just something that is made up. And so one of the things that people like, I remember I listened to his. Um, um, his telephone um, answering thing and uh, voicemail. Voicemail. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I was like, well, what is that thing called? <laughs> uh, and and my sister had called a couple of times, and she was really frantic and talked about, you know, she was like, "Daddy, this is Susan. You know, stop playing games. You know." And <gasps> wow. Yeah, so that was like really weird. And, and as I listened to the messages of the people who called who didn't, and this is not just the family, but people called outside the family. Who didn't who, believe that he yeah, died? Yeah, like I mean, wow. he was dead, and but it was still hard to to take in. Um, and I know a lot of people talk about things like that. And when they first found out that someone is dead, uh, so we just had a death in cross culture, hmm. um, Mike. And so one of the things is that um, when I found out about it, I went immediately immediately to his Facebook thing. Yeah, to, to see, see was, if it was to see if it was the last time he posted. Yeah. How long ago was it that he posted something? It had been a while ago, and and there was information about his death and stuff. So I was like, okay. 
And I went back and I checked to see if I got any emails from him. I mean, just how weird your brain is. So denial is definitely the first reaction because often, even if we know someone's sick, it's still hard to sort of process that now death has finally happened. Hmm. Um, strange. Yeah. Really weird. Um, <clears throat> the second stage was anger. Anger. And, and we get angry about different things. So sometimes you're angry because the person died. I've heard that people get even angry at the person who died. Yeah, yeah. At the person who died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, and that's one of the weirdest things. So you're going to, to meet people at their home and, and all of a sudden they're, they're angry at the person who died. <laughs> Uh, How could they do this to me? Yeah, it's like, 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 and people say weird stuff. Oh my gosh, they say so many weird things. And most people, it's not even their choice that they're dying. Most people don't choose to die. No, no, most people are are forced to death either by by disease or sickness or accidents or yeah. So anger. So you said that people are angry at. At the person who died, but then there can also they, be anger. They're angry at themselves also. So there's 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 anger at the person who's died. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sort of type of of anger that's directed at yourself. Because? So some, because a lot of times when people die, because we live in a world where, and especially in the West, where we're so busy with work, and we always mean to keep in contact and to say hi to someone, but we don't do it. Because yeah. we're always running around working and busy doing all the other things we're supposed to do. And then a, a person dies. And then we become angry. So we get filled with guilt. And mm-hmm. that's where the anger, the guilt is expressed as anger towards myself for not prioritizing that person better than what I did. Yeah, now it's too late when yeah. the person is dead. Yeah, and so it sometimes it results in anger, you know. Yeah, angry at uh, yourself because <clears throat> you knew better. Can Maybe mm-hmm. in the sense of like you knew better, now it's mm-hmm. too late. And then the third type of anger is the anger directed at other people because they're not grieving in the way that you're grieving or the way that you think they should. Mm. So some people can get, some people just keep on working. Some people get sad. Some people cry. Some people get quiet. You know, everyone grieves in a different way. But um, one of the most important things is, is not to expect people to grieve in the same way that I do, in the same process that I do, the same type of expression that I do. Um, and that's really, really important to give people that freedom for the grieving process because it's individual and it's, it's going to be expressed and, and, and takes different times. Yeah, and, and exactly. People might not think <clears throat> that this person is grieving because they are just keep working and keep, oh, yeah. keep doing the things they're doing, but you don't know what they're doing at home. Yeah. You don't know what they're doing in their free time. Exactly. And each stage takes its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, we say like in the denial stage... Sometimes people won't throw away the clothes of a dead person. Mm, that can take a long time. That can take a long time. Or people are into the routine. So when old couples die, yeah. one part of an old couple who've lived Together 40, so 50, long. six years, yeah. their whole life is intertwined to each other. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the person whose life was was marked by the presence of another person, that brain, I mean, things like 50 years, 40 years. Mm. That's going to take time for the brain to reprocess a whole different way of being yeah. with the absence of this person's presence and influence in their life. So, so it's sometimes, and sometimes people just never get there. No, some people are just stuck in the denial or stuck in the anger or whatever. Um, that's just nutty. Mm. But it's how we are because our, our human beings are so adaptable to their surroundings. 
Um, so sometimes it, it's hard for us when the surroundings happen suddenly as opposed to gradually. Mm. Uh. So what happens after anger? Yes, after anger is the whole bargaining thing mm. uh, where you do a lot of <laughs> statements. So if we had... Yeah, if... If we had got, gotten help earlier. Yeah, um, if only. Yeah. Then I, if only we have gotten help earlier. Yeah. If only I would have checked in with him. If yeah. only I would have called. If only we had stopped, We had started eating broccoli and antioxidants, you know, or... <laughs> Ten uh, years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, when people didn't even know about stuff like that. Mm. Um, and, and that and that part can also produce a lot of guilt. Because what happens is that you're trying to find an explanation for why the person didn't have to die as though you are the person who has control over life and death. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of a form of, of the denial thing. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier. It's like regret and <clears throat> and uh, guilt. Regret yeah. and guilt together. Like, yeah. oh, I wished I would have done this. Exactly. And because I didn't do this, this yeah. happened. So it's my fault. And, and especially when there's been problems. Mm. When the relationship's broken down, people haven't spoken to each other for years. Mm. Uh, that could be because now you can't. So there's things a, a person. It's a control thing to take well, back control. Take back control, if or to only have something I. resolved. Yeah, it's only I exactly. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I think in the bargaining thing also is is with the the unresolved issues. So sometimes people, because when death happens, you you can't you can't say you're sorry, and you yeah. can't ask for someone to apologize for what they've done. Yeah. You it's can't take something back. It's death is sort of, it finalizes whatever the relationship is. So if the relationship was good, then it's good in death. If it was bad, then it's bad in death. Mm. And so that's, um, and that, that can produce also guilt, <laughs> anger. Uh, sometimes people hurt themselves. So this is one of the part of the grieving process is that in the, in the death of another person, it motivates you to do something to yourself. Um, so there was a, a Japanese anime series called uh, Evangelion, and uh, it was really popular. And the main character takes his life. Oh, wow. So he offers himself and kills himself for to save the city or whatever. But it produced a lot of other suicides. So people kill themselves in relationship to that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wacky. Uh, sometimes when famous people have, have died or killed themselves, people take their life. That's also really strange. Yeah. So yeah. some so part of the grieving process and the guilt that they feel, or some people feel, oh, now this person's gone. My life is not worth living anymore. And yeah, so they they've made that person so important to their life that their life has no meaning or existence outside of that person's existence. Wow, what's the next stage? <clears throat> um, grief? Uh, was it depression? Depression. Yeah, mm. I think that's what most people maybe relate to with the grieving part, the depression yeah. part, when people are really sad yeah. or just apathic. Yeah. And it's, and, and that, uh, again, has to do with the type of relationship. So I don't think that everyone comes to the depression. That's the whole thing. I think that some people, sometimes people are relieved. I hate to say this, and this may sound like a shock, but some people are relieved at the death of that, of that person. So sometimes there's a release um, because there was so much tension or mm. the person suffered for a long time or uh, especially in, in families where there's been a lot of abuse, especially like through uh, alcohol or drug addiction, mm. that sometimes that, that passing that person means that also all this Freedom, difficult maybe. stuff, yeah, mm. it's like 
all this stuff has stopped now. Now we don't have to deal with the lying. We don't have to deal with the stealing. We don't have to deal with all these different things. And and all of a sudden, there's a that that ex, uh, um, exhaling that all of a sudden means now I can just look at the person in a totally different light. Hmm. Um, because so, there is no codependency anymore. No, this exactly. This person's gone. Like they're gone, and so now their suffering's over. Sometimes, mm-hmm. so so sometimes there's that that relief, but the depression part can. Uh, especially when it's loss. Mm. So we know that in a lot of, there's a lot of cases where a spouse dies and the other spouse by, dies within a couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's so, broken heart syndrome. Yeah. That's and that's, really and that's kind of really weird. And, and, I, and the hardest grief often is, is one where a parent has to bury their child. Mm. So that, that's, their a, kid. Th- that's a grief that uh, couples who are married who lose a child. Um, Often in the, in divorce, couples yeah, they as well as they can't deal with mm. because the grieving process is so individual. Mm. So it produces uh, accusations. So one cup, one part of the couple Should will accuse done. the other. Maybe it's this bargain. If if you would have yeah, done this, exactly, then... and it becomes accusation. Then mm-hmm. it becomes if you had been a better, better parent, mm. they wouldn't have died. Mm. Or if you had done this, if you did, if you do this, would have worked less, if yeah. you would have been there, yeah. if you, if would you have... didn't smoke cigarettes, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Mm. And so what happens is that it becomes the blame game. Mm. So one pa- one parent blames the other parent and crucifies crucifies that parent mm. for their inac- ina- inadequacies yeah. um, that have been brought up, which, of course, the parent retaliates in defensiveness. Mm. And now couples are at odds. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's and not just the blame. It's, together anymore. it's Sometimes it is the fact that um, one parent seems to be getting on with life and the other parent is stuck. Yeah. The depression is so strong; they're just stuck there, and they can't uh, can't understand why the other person exactly keeps going on. Exactly, and you're like so you didn't love your child exactly. as much as I do, which of or, course becomes guilt and accusation, yeah. and yeah. So, that's, so that's that's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things. Most couples, uh, it's just hard. It's hard to survive hard the death of a child, mm-hmm. um, or um, so you have the passing of someone who has Alzheimer's. Mm. And even though Alzheimer's, so for the families around who choose to take care of the person with Alzheimer's, it, life is just crazy. Life is it's hard. It's hard. It is heavy. It is really just not fair. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Because you can't rely on the person if you ask them, have you eaten? No. Have you whatever? What do you want? Have yeah. you been out? You can't rely on that. There has to be 24-hour care. Exactly. And what happens is then when the person dies... You feel guilty for the relief. Because you feel relieved. Because you feel relieved. Because you don't have to keep doing this anymore. Mm. But but then guilt takes over. Mm. Because how could you feel that way? Didn't you love your mother? Didn't you love your father? Didn't mm. you love your spouse? Mm. Man. That's, it's tough. That's, yeah. It's tough to go through. And then I think you need people around you who, to tell you that, mm. no, it's okay. Exactly. It's okay to feel relief and you have shouldered a very heavy burden and and you did that because you love your spouse your mom your dad exactly. not because you owe them or they owe no. you anything or um so i think it's very important to have this network mm-hmm. who who supports you mm, exactly and it probably was different you know a couple of hundred years ago when death was such a normal part of life mm. Then people, a whole village, could collectively share in that sorrow because mm-hmm. everyone could relate to it. Everyone knew also maybe the person. Oh yeah, yeah. Think think like a a tiny small village mm-hmm. where everyone knows everybody and everything about everybody else. 
uh, as opposed to now, our cities are so impersonal and life is so so segregated from every other life so that people may not even be able to be late. Our, when I was a kid, um, our neighbor died mm. and we only smelled a really disgusting smell for a couple of days. Wow. And then his friend from another floor came and then that's when the police came and that's mm. when they found out he was dead. But he was mm. smelling already, so... Ooh, yeah. And we never came, like... We never had an idea to check on him. No. Even though we saw him and he was just the neighbor, like, mm. next door, right okay. next door. But wow. we never had an idea, like... Why Wait, would is this when you guys him? lived above the funeral parlor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. You guys probably just thought maybe, ah, that's how it smells down there. No, downstairs, you know. no this smell, I never forget. Yeah. It was okay. it was horrible. It was a yeah. really, really bad smell. Yeah, a decomposing body has a special stench. Uh, it doesn't smell like anything else. It's, it's, but yeah, that, it's yeah. nothing you can compare it no. to. Um, yeah. own little flavor. So, grieving. Yeah, you have the depression. Yeah. And then after depression, you have finally... Acceptance. Acceptance. Um, and the acceptance, actually, you know, like... I mean, you accept the person's death. You ex- accept that they're no longer a physical part of your daily life. Mm-hmm. They're not like, as acceptable, I mean, a- accessible. Um, and that things about their life ends with them. Mm. So, you know... Um, Is it also that you have resolved the other stages? Yeah, yeah. You actually have worked through them and, and mm. they have to be resolved. Otherwise, you never make it to acceptance. Mm. Uh, but in acceptance, so once you get to the stage of acceptance, then you could start to move on with life. Mm. Because life does go on, even with a, a loss of, of someone who's really close or how terrible their their passing has been, um, life still goes on. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. Mm. So, And you really need to participate in life. It's it's If you let your life end at that point, then you're just waiting for death. And so it, it seems sad. It becomes sad. a meaning, meaningless yeah, it life. Seems, it seems, seems sad to waste the life that you have, whatever, how many years or weeks or whatever you have left. Uh, it should not be wasted. It should be spent, um, invested. And I mean, it's a cliche, but people usually say like, you have to keep living your life for the person who died. Oh, sure. I mean, that person probably didn't want you to to sit around and be no. sad or be angry or deny or in denial. They probably want you to keep going and doing mm. the things you are supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and the death of a spouse. Oof. When you lose a partner. To death. Um, some cultures and some people in the world feel that you don't have the right to another partner. Really? Yeah. So you wow. have to. Yeah. Because then you're being. In Sweden, you do. Well, <laughs> Sweden, you have the right to a partner anyway, even if you're married. You. <laughs> there's those commercials in on TV and the radio. But anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> Maybe we should have a topic one day about <clears throat> system or system uh, systemic adultery. Mm. But anyway, that's just another topic. But um, that's one of the hard things is that how long do you have to wait? Um, so I, I remember once um, I had two friends and the uh, the woman, she was married and her husband was chronically ill. And she, like we all knew he was going to die. Mm. And then he dies. And then the two friends uh, a year later are married. Or oh. yeah, maybe it was like six months, eight months later. Oh wow, uh, that's really close. Yeah, they to got his married, death. and so, um, and, and some people were like not okay with that, and I'm like, they're two adults. I mean, her, her spouse is dead. 
Yeah. She has the right. She can get married the next day if she wants to. Yeah. It's not advisable because she probably probably Still. should have time to grieve. But yeah. I don't I don't know if there's a certain period of time. But it's, it feels so. It feels like people think that there is a morally like yeah time span yeah. that should go before yeah. you remarry. Like I guess if Annette died, and I got married four months later. People would probably think that was wrong. <laughs> like, did you have something to do with her death? You know, because mm. you got married so soon. Whereas it was four years later. No one would deny yeah. it. Yeah. So no one would be like, oh, what are you doing? You know? Um, so they, I, I wonder what would be the minimum amount of time. I think probably a year or two years. It's probably like where people feel it's year, kind of normal. I think a year is, for me, would be the minimum because yeah. that would give, like, you even had like a, a time to, um, come back to the death day like mm. after one year and oh, maybe feel the again that was good. The, the anniversary to just yeah. feel like okay am i'm over this like mm. i remember how did i feel one year ago um am i, am I still there yeah. or have i moved on exactly that was that was really good thinking right there that's that's actually i would say that's a good rule of thumb hmm? give yourself and wait until the first anniversary before you start making yourself available mm. just so To test. check in with yourself, yeah. like, am yeah. I really? Because you can get you can get pretty busy after someone died oh, quite yeah. quickly. Yeah. But when the anniversary comes around, mm. things come back. Mm. It's true. Mm. Yes, um, well, acceptance. Mm. Yeah, so we want that everyone should accept, come to the acceptance exactly. stage. Um. Yeah. And I think what also could help is this saying. Um, so when someone dies, a whole village is coming to your door so you can mm. tell people. Yeah. Um, exactly. I mentioned an Annette. Mm -hmm. I, I married. My wife's name is Annette. Yeah. So just so you guys know. Who, she's <laughs> not Annette? some ar arbitrary person. I just, <laughs> I just make up names, you know, when we're talking. It's Annette so much is, fun. Annette is Ed's wife yeah. and Jonas is my husband. Yes. Um, and I was saying that uh, there's the saying that a village should come around your door mm. when someone dies so you mm. can tell your story to every single person in the village exactly. because this is how you process this. Mm. This is how you make it real by mm. retelling it again and mm. again and again and again. And it takes different time for different people to come to that stage where mm. they actually can talk about it. And it's not to anybody. So there are people who would tell it rather to some stranger on the street. Yeah. And there are people who only tell it to their closest friends. Mm. So it's very different. But I think this thing of actually verbalizing it is very mm. important to make it mm. real. Exactly. Well, I think discussion is like a really important tool in the grieving process. So mm. I think sometimes uh, going to a, a grieving group mm -hmm. uh, where other people are also in the grieving process, mm -hmm. uh, because then you have sort of a, a shared experience, not the same experience, but a similar enough experience that makes it easy for people in that, that place mm. to talk about where they're at in the grieving process and how they feel. And um, especially when you lose uh, a child or you lose a partner, uh, I think a, 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 a grief, yeah, I think a grief, a group would be really good when you lose someone to a sickness like cancer or some other kind of disease. Mm. Um, and, and I, and I think that, um, That another part of the grieving process is that let it to let it take its time, hmm. let it take not its to course. rush it. Yeah, like you know, don't be in such a rush. We're, we always want everything to happen so fast, but I think that grieving 
should happen in the time it happens because as it happens you go through the stages there's also a healing mm. every stage we go through prepares us for the next stage and once we finally get to the acceptance and we're okay with a person's death and not that we are like it but you can you can learn to live with that sense of emptiness yeah what's been torn away it doesn't prevent life no it just you know but it's just a different kind of life so um and um and if you find that that you're really overwhelmed through the grieving process you find that you you just can't you know you can't get up you're just sad you just want to stay in bed you want to stay with the lights turned off go and get professional help yeah don't don't let depression get you like don't don't if if you see yourself like that and tell someone tell someone and and mm. make sure that you get help yeah um, because that's that's the worst you can do for the person who died that mm. that you'll you'll maybe end your own life or yeah. you'll you'll be in a bad bad place so do it for a person who died and do it mm. for yourself mm. exactly um you know and, and I, I think that um, that sometimes when when people are going through the grieving process, they don't want to share that with other people. Mm. Uh, but don't become so busy. I mean, I, if you don't, if you don't grieve now, you're going to grieve later. Yeah. So you just all There's you're doing is postponing. You can't. You can't, <laughs> can't avoid, avoid it. it. No, you have to grieve. This is a normal process. We're all created uh, to grieve loss, mm. and and when we don't grieve it, it just bubbles up inside of us later on usually mm. as an explosion mm. about something that was totally different than what we just exploded about. Mm. Um, so guys, thank you for listening. Um, yeah. And thank you for all your really good questions. Thank you, especially for the questions about the different stages and everything. Um, and, and we, re- we really hope that, that each and one of you um, has uh, been given something to think about, something that helps you if you're in the process of grieving um, that helps you um, to grieve um, or for that day when it happens. Maybe yeah. this could be something that helps you to sort of mentally prepare. Share this knowledge with your colleagues and friends and family mm. to to prevent, um, yeah, to prevent people to being stuck in the different stages. Mm. Yeah. And keep writing to us. We love your letters. We love answering your letters. Uh, remember us at FICA for our life. life. Yes. And uh, don't forget to like us. Don't forget to tell other people about us. Yes. And let's make our family uh, grow and grow and grow. (laughs) Yes. We want a big family of listeners. Yes. Uh, Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or ideas, please send us a message to fikaforlife at mail.com. Fika, F-I-K-A. This was the Fika for Life podcast with Lin Nguyen and Edward Thomas, and we hope to hear you again.